Chapter 22 of Pollyanna's Jewels This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Michelle Fernandez Pollyanna's Jewels by Harriet Loomis Smith Jamie Grows Up There is something in the expectation of obedience which compels it. The decisive ring in Pollyanna's voice affected Jamie as if he had been the small boy of whom she was thinking. He swung himself to the door and turned the key. Not until Pollyanna entered did he realize his mistake, and then, in an effort to retrieve it, he cried fiercely, Don't talk to me, Pollyanna. Don't speak to me. I can't stand comfort, even from you. He had the surprise of his life. Pollyanna, turning her flushed face toward him, burst into an angry laugh. The shock of it made him momentarily lose sight of his sense of injury. He stared at her in stupefaction. If you imagine I came here to comfort you, Pollyanna explained, you were never more mistaken in your life. She looked around for a comfortable chair and, finding one to her taste, settled herself as if she had every intention of remaining. For a moment, Jamie stood irresolute. Then, he too sat down. If I had an idea of trying to comfort anyone, explained Pollyanna, choosing her words carefully, it would be Aunt Ruth. I'm sure there's nothing that hurts like ingratitude. Jamie started violently. I'm not ungrateful, he shouted, his voice harsh with resentment. But I'm wounded. The people I've loved and trusted have been lying to me, living a lie for years and years. I've been wronged, tricked, cheated. I've built everything on the belief that I was the son of Doris Weatherby. Now that foundation has collapsed and my life is in ruins. Pollyanna looked at his twitching face and sympathy tugged at her heartstrings. She waited till she could be sure of making her voice sufficiently matter-of-fact before she spoke. I understand what you mean, she said, and I agree with you that you shouldn't have been kept in the dark. The straightforward way is the only safe way. But you knew why the thing was kept from you, of course. Why, certainly, Jamie laughed disagreeably. Mrs. Pendleton, after spending so much money on a pauper, under the mistaken impression that he was of her own blood, thought it hard on the poor devil to inform him that he was as much an object of charity as any street beggar. And, since she had kept him so many years in a fool's paradise, she thought he might as well end his days there. Again, 
Pollyanna's matter-of-fact voice checked his growing excitement. You're a little morbid on the subject of ancestors, Jamie. People are willing to take you for what you are yourself, and nobody cares particularly who your father was. Don't you believe it, Jamie broke out violently. It's true that I've made a certain success, and there are quite a number of people who feel a good-natured curiosity about a crippled chap who couldn't earn a living as other men do and so turned writer. But if you think that it wouldn't count against me if they were aware that I don't even know my rightful name, that I've no idea who my parents were, why then you don't know much about life, that's all. But Jimmy put himself in just that place, and for your sake. She shot the statement at him so unexpectedly that he was confused. Why? What do you mean? Jimmy has good blood in his veins, as good as anybody in America, but mighty few people know it. Those who do are all under this roof, with the single exception of Aunt Polly. He hasn't claimed for himself or for his children any of the advantages that his birth might give him or them. Jimmy was willing to be regarded as a waif, whose heritage was an unknown quantity. If anybody had made such a sacrifice for me, I think I should feel a little bit grateful. Jamie winced. It was awfully decent of Jim, he said after a moment. I realized that he meant it kindly. But it hurts a man when his friends treat him like a child. But why shouldn't your friends treat you like a child? Pollyanna asked quietly. Tonight, you've made it plain why they felt that necessary. Jamie glared at her. Such a look from him would have stabbed Aunt Ruth or Sadie to the heart. But Pollyanna met it with an irritating tranquility. Apparently, she did not have any idea that he was angry. This is just the sort of thing they were afraid of, she explained. No, I'll take that back. I hardly suppose Aunt Ruth thought you would be angry at her. I can't imagine anybody would have gone as far as that. But she thought the certainty that you were not the lost Jamie would be a knockdown blow. When a man can't stand the truth, Jamie, people are forced to treat him like a child. There's no alternative. But I could have stood it then, Jamie burst out. I should have adjusted my life to that knowledge. Probably I should never have married. That would have been nice for Sadie, Pollyanna commented. You were just on the point of announcing your engagement, you see, when Jimmy found that he was really James Kent. Jamie ignored this. I'm not unmindful of all Aunt Mrs. Pendleton has done for me, and I'm not ungrateful, but... When I realize how she has let me go on believing a lie, building on a lie, 
I feel as if I could never forgive her. That's your return for love, and yet you say you're not ungrateful. Oh, love, sneered Jamie. Why, when she found she had put a pauper in the place that belonged to somebody she cared for, she must fairly have hated me. It wouldn't be in human nature to do anything else. She's a good woman and she'd hide her feelings and go on trying to do her duty by me. But, in her secret heart, she must have wished me out of the way ten thousand times. Pollyanna broke in on this, her voice as tense as his. Oh, you fool, she cried. You utter fool. And then, as he stared at her aghast, Hardly believing his ears, she rushed on. Don't you see Aunt Ruth kept her secret because she'd come to love you even more than the one who had the first claim on her? Jamie continued to look at her stupidly. As men suffering from the shock of some great calamity may be acutely conscious of the prick of a pin, so Jamie... In the grip of a despair which made his life seem a hopeless wreck, was nevertheless annoyed by being called a fool, and by Pollyanna of all people. But, having used the term of opprobrium, she proceeded to justify it. She'd loved Jimmy from the time he was born. When his father disappeared with him, it seemed as if her life had come to an end. She was a rich woman, even then. She could have had anything she wanted with one exception. And, without that, all the rest was meaningless. When I first came here, she was the most unhappy woman I've ever known. And then, at last, after years and years... The thing happened she'd prayed for and longed for and despaired of. She found the little lost Jamie, big and splendid, everything she could have hoped. There was a moment's silence while they stared at each other dumbly. Pollyanna flushed with excitement, Jamie a ghastly white. And... When Pollyanna again took up her story, she spoke with a deliberation that lent a curious emphasis to each word. And when he came, that little nephew she'd loved and hungered for, his place had been taken. Oh, if Jimmy had been a small man, he'd have been resentful. It wasn't a question of depriving you of your rights. You had been legally adopted and, in the eyes of the law, your position was as secure as if you'd been her son. But that wasn't enough. Jimmy must give up his rights in order to spare your feelings. His aunt couldn't own him for fear of making it hard for you. Of course, it was his own proposition. But... Even if he hadn't suggested it and insisted on it, Aunt Ruth would have asked it of him. 
And why? Just because she had grown to love you more than she could ever love him. She had shielded you from so many things that she was ready to wrong her own flesh and blood to save you from a heartbreaking disappointment. If I hadn't loved Jimmy always, I believe I'd have fallen in love with him as soon as I knew how unspeakably fine he was about that. I don't think it ever occurred to him that he had anything to forgive his aunt. No, it's you, you whom she idolized and sacrificed for, who are doubtful whether you can ever forgive her. Pollyanna checked herself. From a rhetorical standpoint, she had come to a good stopping place. But she was so full of her subject that her enthusiasm might have carried her on to an anticlimax had it not been for a disconcerting interruption. Jamie's head had dropped forward on his chest. As her monologue proceeded, and, just at this point, a strangled sob escaped him. For a moment, he struggled against his conflicting emotions, but for some time they had been gathering momentum, and now they were too much for him. He broke into a passion of weeping. Pollyanna sat without moving. She had lived long enough to disprove the theory, absurd on the face of it, that the lacrimal glands in the human male are as useless as the vermiform appendix. She had discovered that the chief difference between men and women in this respect is that the former prefer to do their crying without a witness. She was sorry to be present when Jamie gave way to tears, but she was certain that a good fit of crying was the best thing that could happen to him. Jamie's weeping was both violent and prolonged. Indeed, in spite of her philosophy, Pollyanna began to grow nervous and wonder whether, in speaking so bluntly to one whose natural sensitiveness had been intensified by years of excessive consideration, she had done irreparable injury. But at length, to her great relief, Jamie's sobs became less frequent. She rose presently, stole to a strategic position in the rear, and patted his shoulder. Jamie, dear, I guess I'd better apologize. I'm afraid I've been rather brutal. Jamie wiped his eyes viciously, blew his nose, and then, twisting his neck, looked up at her. From a conventional standpoint, his appearance was unprepossessing. His clear skin was blotched and mottled, his eyes bloodshot, his nose inflamed, and yet there was something in his look that gave Pollyanna pleasure. You'd have made a good surgeon, Pollyanna. What you said hurt, but it was necessary. I've been a fool, and worse, I've been a beast. 
You've been a baby, said Pollyanna fondly and stroked his hair. Yes, I've been that too. It's time I was growing up. Why didn't you take me in hand before this, Pollyanna? Well, I've wanted to for a long time, but I hoped your own baby would do the job instead. If you imagine, said Pollyanna ruefully, that I've liked hurting you this way, you're terribly mistaken. It's going to keep me awake nights after I've cooled off. Jamie put up his hand, caught hers, and held it in a grip that said more than he could have put into words. For these two friends from childhood suffered from the usual Anglo-Saxon incapacity to bear their souls in speech. Jamie, skilled coiner of phrases, was incoherent and stammering at moments like this. Pollyanna, he faltered, you've been my good angel always. I owe everything to Aunt Ruth, but I owe Aunt Ruth to you. And you've never done more for me, dear girl, than you have done tonight. I'm glad you feel that way, Jamie. Now that everything was over and victory was perching on her banners, Pollyanna was sorely tempted to cry. She swallowed her tears with an effort and went on. If I'm your good angel, you're a lucky man, for you've got at least two others compared with whom I'm nothing more than one of those cherub heads with a pair of wings behind their ears. Jamie gave a husky laugh. And I'm going to call them upstairs, continued Pollyanna, and leave you to tell them it's all right. For it is, isn't it? All right, after I'm duly forgiven. Oh no, there's one more thing. People must know that Jimmy is Aunt Ruth's nephew. Oh, that doesn't matter, Jamie. We are middle-aged married folks now, declared Pollyanna with a youthful giggle, which flatly contradicted her statement. And there's no use raking up bygones. Yes, there is. I have my rights and Jimmy must have his. A woman with a heart like Aunt Ruth has love enough to divide between a nephew and an adopted son. You're right there, said Pollyanna. I'll call her and your other good angel and leave you to make them as happy as you've made me. She said goodbye with a parting pat and ran down to the drawing room where four gloomy people awaited her. The men looked fairly savage as they sat silent and constrained. The women were pale and frightened. Pollyanna's triumphant entry told the good news before she spoke a word. It's all right, she burst out. He wants to see Aunt Ruth and Sadie right away. And it's a good thing this happened. There won't be any more need to hide and evade and cover up. I'm so glad. She carried Jimmy home almost immediately, guessing that it would be a painful ordeal both for Jamie and himself 
to meet again that evening. And when they next were asked to the Pendletons to dinner, they noticed that Jamie was now addressed as James. Pollyanna asked no questions but immediately fell in line. And Jimmy, after one or two blunders, succeeded in doing the same. It's going to be hard to remember, Pollyanna confided to her husband at the first opportunity, but I'm glad he wants to be called James. The other is a little boy name, and it looks as if at last Jamie, I mean James, had really grown up. End of chapter 22